Hi, my name is John. And my name's Chris. And, and this, this is Stay on, on Target. Hey everybody, welcome to Stay on Target. We are your hosts. You can find us online at stayontargetpodcast.com. That's right, John. This week we are reviewing the Beatles Get Back documentary. We talked about it a little bit last week, but this week we are uh, going to officially review it and give it a score since we've both finished it. Yeah. We've also got a lot of uh, news that's coming out of the Game Awards as we are recording this. So we don't yeah. have all the uh, the winners and all that kind of stuff, but we have a lot of like game announcements that we'll uh, run down in the news section, and then we'll uh, we'll do a recap of the Game Awards next week. Sounds great. Uh, but before we get to any of that, John, what have you been up to this week? Man, so this week, it's been a very, very full, busy kind of a week over here. Um, so in addition to finishing the Beatles documentary, uh, we actually did, like, together, played the last match of, uh, yeah. of, of, of Call of Duty Warzone on the, the original map, Verdansk. Yeah, the last, the last days of Verdansk, there was a... A limited time playlist. I guess that it, it was up for about forty-eight hours, or was it twenty-four? Technically, man, I don't no, even it's, know. It's, it's forty-eight um, because yeah, it's, it was like the last two days. They put in this. Um, in this we're talking about Call of Duty Warzone. If if you're not uh, if you're familiar with the terms, but there was a limited time map where you could drop in, and there were like World War II bombers and planes getting shot down from some anti-aircraft guns, and uh, you could you could pick up these. Uh, Recons from the planes and basically get a ton of loot and a ton of money. The way to win the game, though, is, was a little different than normal. Instead of surviving and be the last team alive, you had to uh, find, figure out basically like there were three bunkers on the map that have been there all game or sorry all season, and they're underground. You had to figure out which of the three would the circle end on, and then go there. And there's like a basically a a Location you had to hold for a certain amount of time, um, a uh, objective, and you had to hold that at the ends to win. And uh, and we did it, John. We did it the first night, and then the second night we were honestly like probably one of the last teams to win. Yeah, the second night after we won. So like I thought it was over because like it, the, the whole countdown thing was saying that it was going to end at a specific time, right? And, 11 and, o'clock. Yeah. And then, uh, our time, and then after 11, Eastern. like some people were able to get back in. Like I, we were able to get back in and play a couple more matches and uh, and we won. But, but like right, half our group got kicked. Like, yeah. They yeah. Some other people in. from our group like were not able to get back in. They couldn't like just couldn't get into a match. Um, and I don't know if it was like regional. Like I don't know. I, I, I don't know how servers go down like that. Like do they like start in a specific spot or it's like why what like because you were able to access it for even longer than i was because like right after we won i was not able to get into another match after that like it was yep. uh that so literally that win was like the last match that i played on uh on that that map so yeah fascinating man yeah i mean it was i mean it was great to like for the last match to be a win um and a win like in the in the kind of transitional mode to the new map sure. that was pretty awesome and I thought it was a it was a fun like limited time event. I mean, I think I, I've Fortnite just had a switch over. I don't know how exactly that went down, but I, I remember the first two, um, the first two times basically we had a big transition like that. There was like that that time there was the cube, 
Mm-hmm. Um, and there was this big event, and uh, it went like completely dark. And then season two appeared um, with the new map, but like there was, it was cool, you know, like, but it wasn't. Uh, to me, it wasn't as I liked this better. I guess. Interesting. See, the, I I kind of would like a. I'm halfway between either one because, like in the Fortnite thing, you basically watch a big show, like a big movie in the middle of a match, right? Like some some cinematic yeah. starts happening um, in a match, and then it like transitions over. I know that like the, the like for the uh, for the Marvel event or whatever, like you know, everybody was teleported to another like area, and everybody had to fight Galactus and like that sort of thing. Like those things that where they integrate gameplay into them are super fun. That's what I liked about this is that it's like, oh, this mode has like this element of gameplay to it um and it's a unique kind of uh mode that that uh at the end of the day you're able to uh to do multiple times too i liked that fact of it like yeah, it's that, like with the Fortnite thing like if, if you miss it you miss it you know right that's that, and that's the big thing is like the last i think the last Fortnite event um happened on like in the middle of the day on a thursday or friday afternoon or something I'm like sure. i can't and the same thing happened with war or zone whenever it switched over to um cold war stuff like that's right it it happened in the middle of the day and i'm like i can't be there for this and it was kind of a bummer mm-hmm. and so like i prefer this kind of thing where you have a couple days to complete it there's some objectives you get some cool skins or like we got this really cool uh um em, not in player uh, banner yeah calling card that's and right. uh yeah like you can still collect these things uh even if you don't aren't there for the like the one 15 minutes that it's actually live. Sure. It's just kind sure. of insane, you know? Yeah. And then like, you know, obviously like those, the, the, all of the Fortnite concerts and things like that, those live on like, you know, streaming services, but like you don't get to experience them again. Whereas this right. one, like you could, you had like a, a short period of time and obviously we won't experience this mode again. won't experience that map again, but at the same time, um, it was over 48 hours. So it's like we were, if, even if you, you know, can only play in the middle of the night or whatever, you were able to get in and do it, which I like. Um, but yeah, like I, I do wish that this had more of like a live element to it where like, you know, like with the, uh, whenever the islands got, um, blown up or whatever on Fortnite, like you were able to watch that happen. Like I, I do kind of wish that this had had like some sort of a big, like rather than just be playing like a cinematic at the end, if it had actually had like a, a, a big world event type of situation. But I also realized like Fortnite is the only game that does that. Like right. Apex doesn't do that. Like they, they'll tell their stories through, through cinematics and, and stuff. Um, but like, and this tells the stories through cinematic and stuff. So it's like, it's, it's kind of one of those things that's unique to Fortnite. So it's also fine. I, I, I enjoyed the mode. I'm really happy to have gotten in there and played on the final days. And, uh, it, that was a blast dude. So we said goodbye to the, uh, to the Island that we've been on for two years or whatever, uh, playing Warzone. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of crazy. I was telling the guys, I'm like, I mean, we've talked about on this podcast before how weird it is that things like that go away, things like Destiny go away. We talked about it last week. But I was telling the guys, like, when I really started playing Warzone heavily was um, during, uh, like, quarantine in 2020. And, like, one of the guys that we played with, his wife was, like, stuck over in the Ukraine for months on end. And so it was was kind of like a, uh, well, none of us can, like, kind of get out and do the things we want to do, but we can get together and Warzone and play Warzone, and so like it was kind of a you know weird emotional like goodbye to the location where we did all that hanging sure. out, you know. 
Yeah. Well, it's like, it's funny because like it developed over time. Like it originally started off, it didn't have like furniture and stuff in the buildings. And then it's like they started adding those things in and stuff. Just like, uh, you know, just the level of detail got, got greater and greater over time. And even like I haven't played that game in probably about six months, seven months at this point. Um, and so whenever I reinstalled it, I like loaded it and I'm like, oh my goodness, everything's different. Like so many things have changed. Like, cause there were just small changes they would make over time that weren't just drastic changes, but like the whole downtown area of the city in that map is just like, you know, destroyed and has a huge trench in it now. And so it's, it really has developed over the time. And like, if you're there for each one of those kind of changes, it's been, uh, you know, it's been with you for, for, a while so even me like you know largely the areas that we would go to of like you know the military base or like um even like the boneyard or whatever like a lot of the places just haven't changed that much and so like seeing them and be like goodbye we'll see you again <laughs> later as you fly off in a helicopter or whatever you know it's it's yeah. just uh it's you know it's like it's like whenever you finish lord of the rings and we'll talk a little bit more about this feeling oh, you know later yeah. but like where you're like Man, I'm saying goodbye to uh to you know a location and some friends, you know. So yeah, yeah. But yeah, dude. Uh, also this week, uh, I Halo uh, Infinite just launched, and so last night I had the opportunity. I just played the first mission, and uh, it was a blast, dude. Um, awesome. Halo Infinite. I am very excited to to get in there and like and play more because that first mission has me like very very excited about it at this point. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to play it as well. I, uh, now that it's out, there was, there's been a lot of articles talking about, um, how you can't replay missions in this game. Yeah. They said uh, they're going to add that it. in a, a post launch like thing, um, like yeah. update. And like, I, and as I was playing through, I was like, okay, well like this mission does feel like I, I if there are collectibles here that I would miss them. Yeah. Um, because like the first mission is not like an area that you'd be able to like revisit in an open world situation. Yeah, the the first I think the first two missions have completely missable collectibles <laughs> in wild. the current version of the game. That's wild, man. And like that's a little frustrating. Like that's uh that's one of those things where I'm like, yeah. man, I feel like that and then the co-op uh the missing co-op for the campaign are just like, man, I feel like we could have just like gotten those in for launch or like delayed this thing until like the spring yeah. or something like I'm, not, I'm I'm glad that they put it in like I'm glad that they went ahead and launched it like we'll I'll play through it you'll play through it we'll have fun with it um, I think it just makes you jump through some extra hoops that you don't really want to jump through the missing co-op is weird um, but you know again uh, I'm I'd rather have it than not you know sure I think what I'm going to end up doing with these first two levels is I'm going to play through the first two levels. And then immediately restart the game. Go back yeah. and get all the collectibles in those first two levels, and then continue on because everything else is collectible later. Yeah, so, I think I, I mean, missed... it kind of sucks. You have to kind of game the system that way, but right. And I think I did miss the like one of the collectibles, but I did get the skull um, that's in there. And uh, it would be like it, it would be impossible to find if I hadn't like looked it up. It, it would be a spoiler free like. Hey, you know, this is the room, you know, it like shows you like yeah. they showed a picture of the room and, then, and it's like, okay, sweet. As soon as I I'm just in that don't, room, I'm going to find it. <laughs> like there's been a couple of games that I've played through the first time with a guide um, that actually like it, it was Bioshock Infinite that mm -hmm. I played through because um, after playing through the first couple of Bioshocks, like the audio logs are such a huge component to the story sure. in those games yeah, that you if you miss, miss them, yeah, you you lose key pieces of the story. And so I was like, okay, 
I need a guide so I can actually piece together and enjoy this story the first mm -hmm. time. But outside of something like that, man, I don't really enjoy playing with a guide the first time I play a game. I don't like yeah. being spoiled on things. I don't like looking even because even the most non-spoilery guides, sure. like they have to tell you things that like I'm like I don't even want to know what to expect around this corner. Yeah, because you know? they have to they have to tell you at least like what room it's in. You know, so it's like as soon yeah. as I was in a room that like I in fact like I thought I was in the room at first and it was just a room that looked sort of similar. <laughs> I was like, oh great, this is not well, the like, room. There were some like there were some missable things in Red Dead Redemption Two, and I know I haven't finished it. I need to finish it, but like, uh, because they were missable, I felt like I needed to look them up and had to look them up. But then I knew exactly what was about to happen, and it was 100% less impactful. Sure. Um, granted, I probably wouldn't have stumbled across it, and I wouldn't have put in the extra, like, 20 hours to go back and, like, get to that point in the game. Hmm. But, you know, uh, I just – I don't enjoy having to use a guide for things like that. Sure, sure. Um, and that's – yeah, that's the problem with, like, some of the missable things. I think with, like, Red Dead, like, I just accepted that I was going to miss some things and that, like, yeah, my experience yeah. was going to be unique to everybody else's. And so, you know, yeah. where it's like, okay, so some people are going to get, you know, more things or different things than I get, and that's also fine. Um, yeah. You know, uh, whereas this game, it's like I do I do feel compelled to, to find all the skulls, and I do feel compelled to find all of the audio logs because it's a similar thing of, like, it gives you the context for the world that you're you're in um but it was a blast dude it was the gameplay is amazing like the uh, grapple grapple shot grapple gun oh my gosh it is amazing it's uh it feels so good um yeah i i'm excited to play more dude and i'm excited for you to you to you to dip in have you have you played any multiplayer on it yet did you did you no get i in still ever? haven't i need okay. to no i need this weekend i'm gonna like make sure that's downloaded right and i'm gonna get into vanguard um warzone a little bit i dropped in once last night and kind of just like poked around um but it, the only thing available was um quads uh vanguard royale which has all the like you can't use any of the guns so i would have had to like build a loadout and all this kind of mm. crazy stuff i'm like okay i don't have time for this sure i'm just and, I, and i'm getting killed just wiped out because i'm just one person in a quad match and so right uh, we need to get a crew together and drop in uh, this weekend. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's yeah, that's the danger of, of uh, whenever they force force like a quads or don't have a solo for, you know thing. Um, is like yeah. without without map awareness, it's almost impossible to to kind of know what you're doing. It's just trial and error at that point. And if you don't have time, it's that's just a bummer, you know. Um, yeah. So yeah, definitely got to get in. Got to get in uh, with the squad. Um, the last thing that I I, I want to tell everybody about that I did, I actually was able to finally pre-order a ps5 so yes. uh, that will arrive i believe tomorrow dude i think oh, dang that, dude i got the i That's got going the fast i got the email and it was like it was like arriving uh tomorrow and i was like oh my goodness that's so fast um so the way i did it was through uh playstation direct uh, if people don't know that this exists this is a really cool thing i signed up for it like almost a year ago whenever the, the ps5 originally launched and all of the pre-order shenanigans that like best buy and all these places where it's basically like just a lot of resellers and bots picking up a lot of these things um basically playstation and xbox uh xbox through the microsoft store and playstation through the playstation direct store uh decided to like okay well we're gonna start inviting people with uh playstation ids uh network ids and um xbox gamer tags like we're gonna invite the people that we know play our stuff 
we're going to start inviting them into like kind of these closed events. Um, Aaron, uh, who's been on the podcast before, got an Xbox Series X this way around Thanksgiving this year. Um, where Xbox, Microsoft sent him like an, an invite and was like, hey, would you like to purchase an Xbox Series X? And he was like, yes, I absolutely would. And they're like, show up <laughs> tomorrow at 10. And he's like, I will. Same, same thing for me. Like I got the email. And, uh, and I, you know, you click the link and I was in a, uh, a waiting queue where it was like counting down to the time of like the, they open the doors essentially. And whenever they open the doors, they say on there, it says they randomize the order. So anyone who is in there has clicked that link in their email and is like sitting there waiting for the doors to open, they'll randomize them and put them in a line. And so you might get first, you might get last. I got about 15 minutes in um, and it like started counting down from an hour, but then it like all like shrunk a ton right after that. Um, and if there were still any available by the time I came up to the front of the line, I would be able to shop whatever they had and check out, had 10 minutes to check out and then I would check out and that's it. So um, it was a really very easy situation um once i actually like was able to do it through this system like it, i didn't feel pressure i was in i was out within two minutes i think i had checked out because like i was just, i knew what i wanted um i also here's a pro tip for anybody if you want to buy other things as well which in order to get free shipping if you add literally anything else to your cart you can get free shipping you have um, to order you have to you have to put one more thing in there though like i don't know because like it, there's also a price breakdown where it's like anything over a certain amount of of money you would get free shipping so i think that i was gonna get free shipping anyway um but i don't know what that dollar amount was but i i threw in i was like okay i'm gonna get you know my my ps plus so i threw in like a ps plus uh digital code and uh and i already had that in there and whenever i went to check out it had like whatever console i just added and that thing in there and so i was able to check out and get you know both of those things all both together so it was a, it was a very easy process um all told so uh just sign up for the PlayStation direct stuff. Like, uh, maybe your, your, your name will come up. Um, again, it took me like a, a long time for my name to come up. So, yeah, that's awesome. Well, uh, you'll have to start reviewing some PS five games then. Dude, I'm excited. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm very pumped for, uh, Miles Morales. That's the first one I'm going to, going to check out. The recent release miles Morales. Yeah. The Spider-Man miles Morales. That was uh, last year's like the launch title they had. So yeah, I was being sarcastic. Oh yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> but they haven't had any re like releases recently. So like PlayStation yeah. hasn't the next one. I think the big, next big one is horizon zero dawn, which transitions us into the news. The news! All right, John. So uh, for this segment, again, like we said, the uh, game awards are still happening as we're recording this on this uh, Thursday night, but uh, I wanted to go ahead and run down uh, some of the things that they've announced. Now, we've watched uh, most of this, um, or at least you have. Most of the ones uh, that I like, I am super interested in, like the high priority ones. <laughs> yeah, um, and uh, so we'll just kind of run this down quickly. We don't have to like dwell on it because um, we don't have a lot of context for a lot of things, but um, we'll give a full rundown of the game awards with the awards and everything next week. Um, but these announcements, like, uh, definitely, like, go check out um, news sites and dig in as the the news and, and trailers kind of uh, come out over the next uh, day or so. The first, uh, I'm, I'm reading from a IGN article by Adam Bankhurst, the Game Awards 2021, everything announced, they're updating live. Uh, the first piece of news, Star Wars Eclipse is a new action adventure game from Quantic Dream that is set in the High Republic. 
It's being developed in collaboration between Quantic Dream and Lucasfilm Games. It promises a, quote, multiple character branching narrative game, end quote, and is an early development. Hopefully this game does not die early like every other Star Wars game has recently. Like, okay, what, what do you mean die early? Like, uh... Well, just uh, get... This is in early development, so there's still oh. a, a chance that they, they could uh, just not do this one like <laughs> the five yeah. other games that have gotten canned. Sure. I mean, the, so the part of this, I watched this trailer. Um, the part of this that really excites me is that it's during the High Republic. So I've read I've read all most of the High Republic books, not the comics. The new but stuff. The, but the books, yeah. And they're great. Like, and that, that time period is fascinating and is like super rich for um, just really cool things happening and so like there's some really interesting things in the trailer where i'm like what is going on here like there's these people with their shirts off playing drums and you're just like what is happening right now some like creature gets up out of some muck and you're like i don't know what's happening here this is this is fascinating um the thing that doesn't excite me as much is like i've never been into quantic dream games um i just haven't like i I watch like gameplay of them i watch the trailer and just they don't push my buttons chris like the whole like what else like, have they the, published the branching narratives oh so they did uh so they did um uh what's the one he- uh is it heavy rain is that the name of the like the one? Oh yeah heavy um, rain was good and people loved heavy rain that was see, I just, I've, I've, I've never had the the desire to play play they played they did beyond two souls that was the other one they did what was the one people love the, beyond two souls the the android one most recently the android one oh yeah, uh, people love that one too, John. I know there's like there's a specific audience that is very into Quantic Dream games. That I mean, has never been one, me. This one might make you like it. Maybe I don't know. I'm very skeptical of the Quantic Dream thing because again, like I just have it doesn't push my buttons. The whole the even like what they say here quote multiple character branching narrative game end quote it doesn't necessarily push my books. I'm like, just tell me the story. Like, yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to have to be sit here but playing the game stories, John stressing about like, how do I get the best ending or the, the right ending or like whatever, well, don't, you know? don't focus on that. Just like uh, focus on whatever ending you get. Like you said, with <laughs> Red Dead Redemption. See, Chris, that's the thing. It's just, that's, I, I need to, I need to know. I'm like, I'm like you with oh all the, the, the missable uh, collectibles. I'm just like, I need, I need to, to, to understand what story you're, you know, you're presenting me with rather than telling my own. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> I'm excited about it. So we'll, we're going to move on. Uh, Alan Wake two is officially announced will be remedy's first survival horror game. Um, the new survival horror game is going to be according to remedy's Sam Lake, a quote, pretty scary experience end quote. <laughs> The game is currently slated to be released in 2023. Alan Wake, I like a lot, so uh, I'm excited about that. Yeah, dude, uh, I'm, I'm I'm pumped about it. Uh, the, the Alan Wake stuff that was in um, what's the other game that they did most recently? Control. Uh, they did, they had a whole DLC that was like with Alan Wake stuff, and oh uh, yeah, it was a blast. So, um, Wonder Woman games. Oh wait, sorry, Wonder Woman game announced from. Middle Earth Shadow of Mordor developers Monolith Productions. That was worded weird. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, it's 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 coming from WB Games. Um, it's a new game starring Wonder Woman uh, with no release date. And the cinematic trailer is basically just like a voiceover, and then she's standing there at the end. You know, um, where she's having to return to Themyscira to save them from a new threat. Um, or to right. face a new threat, and so that's all. I we think really I read that it. comic book once. 
I mean, there's there's a few of them that. <laughs> that I, no, plot. that's my that's, that's my point. I don't I don't know if my sarcasm is uh, is translating tonight. It might not be. You know, um, make it suicides, more obvious. Drip it with the the sarcasm. It's very sarcasm. It sarcastic. also could just be my perception, though. That's the other side of this. <laughs> Suicide Squad: Kill the Justice League shows off its first real gameplay. Did you watch that? I, I did didn't watch it. Does the it game look, does it look fun? It looks like a four player co op like. Uh, uh, game i mean it's it almost looks like an insomniac <laughs> game like where like uh i'm thinking of okay. um what's sunset the one on xbox yeah sunset overdrive like where there was a lot of like enemies that are running at them and they're like shooting big, big weapons that explode a bunch and punching things and like it so it looked very chaotic and uh and interesting i'm interested how it will play because if it is a four-player game and like that's the most ideal experience getting four people to play it all at once like you know maybe mm. you know i don't know it's just kind of i don't know we'll see we'll we'll ha- i'll have to see more chris because it looks like a blast i think if didn't they talk the about how you can switch around for, to different characters yeah and i guess like that so could be that, that could be yeah. done well i think it's because yeah that we you do they do that in um uh rock study did that with all the batman games where you could switch between you know a couple characters usually it was two that's right this is just four which i, I mean i'm i'm cool with that yeah it, that's it right well there because like you would go in and do like a combo with one character, switch to the yeah. other character, and like do another one, and then eventually you would get to the point of like, hey, they can do a team up move, and right. then you know you would throw the other person and end up on the other person. Like that, yeah, there was some cool stuff with that. So if it is like that, like if if the single player plays like that, um, that would be a, a really fun time because like again, this gameplay looks looks gorgeous and looks very very chaotic, and uh, that would be a really fun to do in that that kind of a switching format. Halo TV series first trailer gives us an up and close up close look at a live action Master Chief. If you want to see that, go check that out. Uh, Hellblade Two: Sinuous Saga, uh, Giant Siege gameplay trailer is a lengthy lengthy gameplay trailer. It says for uh, the next Hellblade. Yeah, I didn't watch that one because I haven't played the first Hellblade, and it's been on my like to do list. So, yeah. Forspoken, uh, the upcoming game from Square Enix. Featuring an ambitious mix of magic and parkour, will officially be released on May twenty fourth, twenty twenty two, for PS five and PC. Um, Horizon Forbidden West gameplay trailer revealed. That's it looks, uh, all they it have. Still there. looks gorgeous. Here's the 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 news that I'm the most excited about, John. Sonic Frontiers, an open zone Sonic adventure, officially announced. Sega has officially revealed Sonic Frontiers, a new open zone Sonic adventure that is set to speed our way in holiday 2022. While not much was re- revealed, we do know that the main locations of the game are called Starfall Fall Islands. It looks cool. I mean, all of the different environments look like really cool. I got I got decent Breath of the Wild vibes, like where it was just like that type of art style um, with the grass and the flowers and the rock formations and stuff. So, um, so I'm interested. I'm interested, man. This looks really uh, like it could be real good. It could also be real bad. I don't know. We've had a lot of, a lot of ranging Sonic games. Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, the movie trailer finally reveals knuckles and tails. Uh, There's a new trailer out. You should go watch it. It looks really awesome. Mm -hmm. I'm honestly more excited about this game. Uh, then I am about the first, sorry, not game, this movie, then I am about the first movie. It looks uh, pretty sweet. Yeah, dude. This like It seems like with the Tales and the Knuckles editions, it's, it's cracking open the world of Sonic, where it's like, yeah. 
you take Sonic and you put him in the real world. It's like you literally you took the the, the most interesting thing and put it in the least interesting thing. <laughs> yeah, and there's always kind of been like that kind of vibe with like Sonic Adventure and that kind of thing with like Sonic mm-hmm. in the real world, quote yeah. unquote. Um, but like, uh, yeah, I mean, I think I mean I liked the first movie, but I, this looks like it's going to be more uh, more up my alley with Sonic stuff. I love a lot of the uh, the jokes, like the, the banter between uh, oh, Sonic yeah. and uh, the main character. I can't remember their, that character's name. Um, I liked their their banter in the first movie a lot, so I'm excited for more banter. Cuphead, the delicious last course DLC release date announced. It's going to be June 30th, 2022. I thought that this came out a long time ago, but we've just been talking about it for a long time. Dude, and it's been delayed and delayed and delayed. And then, so, like, in addition to delaying this, like, my I have had on pre-order the art of Cuphead on pre-order forever. It's supposed to come out the same time as this. So, I, Jeez. yeah. Anyway, there's there's also, I mean, it's it's obviously, like, important that it's taking this long because like they're doing the Netflix show as well. Um, studio MDHR like is, has basically just been working nonstop on the tell the Netflix television show and this like DLC. So hopefully both of those release at the same time, that would be some great, you know, synergy, but yeah, we'll see. Star Trek Resurgence is opposed to the next generation game made by Telltale Veterans. Dramatic Labs, a developer that includes over 20 former Telltale staff, announced Star Trek Resurgence, the new official Star Trek video game that is being made in collaboration with Viacom CBS. It will be released on PC and consoles in 2022, and the story is set shortly after Star Trek The Next Generation. We just said that. That's interesting. Uh, The Expanse, a Telltale series, is a prequel story to the TV series The Expanse. Um, It's coming. Uh, A Plague Tale, Requiem, gets its brand new trailer. Um, It's a sequel to 2019's A Plague Tale Innocence. Dune, Spice Wars, is a four-times real-time strategy game. 4X. What does 4X real-time strategy game mean? With 4X elements. uh, So let me see. I'm not exactly sure what that means. Um, we'll find out. We'll talk about talk about it next week. Okay, I think no, that's not what the four X is. Yeah, so the quote is: "You can deploy agents to sabotage, assassinate, and spy on your opponents. Use political means of influence." I mean, it sounds awesome. Like, sounds really interesting. So, but yeah, I don't know what the four X is really. Yeah, Silent Hill creator announces new game Slitterhead. Um, Among Us, Vince into VR. So it's coming to PlayStation VR, MetaQuest 2, and Steam. New Saints Row gameplay trailer shows off crazy stunts and more. It's uh, uh, a Saints Row reboot set for August 23rd, 2022. X-Bioware devs reveal fantasy Victorian survival game Nightingale. Tiny Tina's Wonderlands trailer shows off chaotic fantasy action coming March 26, 2022. Crossfire X is officially coming to Xbox. It's a first-person shooter from Smilegate that just so happens to have a single-player campaign developer developed, developed by Alan Wake and Control developer Remedy. Uh, it's going to come to Xbox February 10th, 2022. That's kind of cool. Yeah, that's really cool. Monster Hunter Rise. Um, it's uh, they gave yeah. I looked at their expansion. Uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake Integrate, Integrate coming to PC. Literally uh, next week. This is Yeah, this is where we get into all the like random stuff. Dying Light 2 cinematic trailer shows off a terrifying world infested with zombies. Um, I thought Dying Light 2 was already out. 
No. No? No. Okay. They've delayed it as well. Warhammer Space Marine 2 was announced. Destiny 2, the Witch Queen trailer. Um, we're going to have to... Uh, I kind of want to dig dig back into this game at some point, but that expansion is coming out February 22nd, 2022. Question is, when do you dive back in, Chris? I don't know. I don't know. The Zelda-like Tunic finally has a release date, Woo-hoo! which we've been seeing stuff for that for a while. Yeah, I played uh, the uh, for the E3 thing. I played the demo, um, the yeah. E3 demo they had. Very cool. It's coming March 16th, 2022. Persona 4 Arena Ultimax announced for PS4, Switch, and PC. It's coming March 17th, 2022. Rumbleverse is a new brawler take on Battle Royale. Iron Galaxy and Epic Games have Rumbleverse. A new challenger in the battle royale space. In this game, 40 players will drop onto a map and engage in melee brawls to be the last one standing. Interesting. Uh, Doka V? Rockstar Music Music Video Extended Cut. What is that? So it's basically just uh, the same music music that we had seen in the trailer before, but with with other other choreography and stuff. Oh, the Lord of the Rings Gollum, the untold story. Got a trailer. So we'll see what that's. Uh, it doesn't have any other information. You, PUBG that's the game where you play as Gollum, and like I, I'm not. I'm. I don't know. <laughs> I don't and know he's yet. my least favorite part of Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I know, right? PUBG Battlegrounds is going free to play. That's wild. J- January twelfth, twenty twenty two. There will be a free basic account and a Battlegrounds Plus subscription that will offer more features, including a ranked mode for a one-time fee of twelve ninety nine. Um, Babylon's Fall has a release date, March 3rd, 2022. Um, Tachia is a new game coming out in spring 2022. Annapurna reveals Thirsty Suitors. Did you look, did you watch this? I haven't watched this one yet, no. Uh, an action RPG about skating and dating. (laughs) (laughs) Dang. Um, I like games a lot. Have a Nice Death mixes roguelike action with workplace comedy. It's coming March 2022. Somerville trailer shows more of the sci-fi adventure from the creator of Inside. Ooh. It's a new sci-fi game from Jump Fit Ship Studios. Um, Jump Ship was co-founded by Chris Olsen and Dino Patty, who previously founded Limbo and Inside's Play Dead. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Is Play Dead not around anymore? No, Play Dead's around. Um, they left Play Dead right after Inside kind of launched um, and kind of parted ways with like so they're they're like one half of the uh, of Play Dead, uh, the original founders, and so so yeah, we now have basically two Play Deads out and about in the world. That's cool. Planet of Lana and off. Earth Odyssey trailer. Uh, it's coming in 2022. I'm super excited about that one. It looks so good. King of Fighters. 15 reveals uh, Cronin. It's a fighter, I guess. Uh, and a second open beta test. Okay. Well, this is There's a lot really... of things late, like the rest of this that I'm looking at. The only other thing in here that I was thinking would be like I'm into is that there's this uh, Vampire the Masquerade Blood Hunt a Game Awards trailer. So like it's just a, a game that's going to be coming out. Um, got another game trailer. So yeah, I think that in Homeworld 3 has been announced for quarter four 2022. Yeah. 
So we'll be back with uh, all the like details on uh, the winners of the game awards and maybe some more details on some of this stuff next week. Yeah, if, uh, if they but, if they have like one more thing at the end of this thing, you know, maybe that that thing will uh, will be big enough for us to talk about next week. But uh, yeah. but otherwise, I mean, we'll be back with the winners. Yeah. Um, until then, that's the news. All right, John. We're going to review the Beatles Get Back documentary available now on Disney Plus, directed by Peter Jackson. Um, So we, uh, if you haven't, I I guess we can we can do a spoiler-free thing. I I feel like we just talk about it honestly. Um, It's, I mean, everybody, everybody knows that the Beatles aren't together anymore and broke up at one point. Sure. Um, And. and that they at one time played a concert on a rooftop. Yeah. Um, overall, dude, this is one of my favorite documentaries I've watched. I love the style. We talked about it last week and mm-hmm. that um, there's no voiceover n- narration. There's barely any title cards. And the whole thing is honestly just like pieced together from the footage. I, mean, I think altogether it ends up being around uh, eight hours long. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, I like when I think back on the the episodes. I think that Peter did a great job at dividing this up into kind of three distinct parts. Um, the first part is like okay, getting uh, doing all the the rehearsals at Twickenham Studios um, until George. Spoilers, spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah. Until George takes a break, um, and uh, and then the second one being. Uh, basically all the lead up to the concert and the recording of the album. And then the third one being the recording of the album and the concert. And um, it feels really, really good. And and I think culminates in a good spot. Mm -hmm. Um, It's, it was really cool to like, see, see that apparently there was, I was reading afterwards there, there was the, at one point. So let's talk about the, the context surrounding this real quick before we move on. So, they they did all this. They filmed this thing. It was supposed to be a TV special at one point, and then it turned into more of a documentary film. And uh, and then after they recorded the album, they um, immediately just like didn't put it out. Like they sure. kind of soured on it on the on the songs and the process because it was kind of a hard rough process. And then um, Glenn Johns, who is in the documentary, their uh, their mixing engineer, he submitted mixes for the Get Back album. And um, then the band rejected them, and it kind of just fell by the wayside until then they went on and recorded Abbey Road. And so even though this was this came out and was released as their last album, this was recorded before Abbey Road. Yeah. And so they kind of flip-flopped those. At the same time, as they fi- when they finally came out with uh, the album, which they had renamed at that point to Let It Be, and it was a big whole thing where the uh, the – like basically EMI had brought in um, and the band at that point, like the, I forget the, there's the, that Klein dude, I forget his first name, but he had become their manager by that point. They kind of taught, you saw him and they, they talked about talking to him in the documentary. Yep. He became their manager and uh, Paul kind of clashed with him. And so Paul yeah. like kind of just like said, you know, I'm, I'm not, I don't, I don't want to put any of this out. They brought in Phil Spector who put a bunch of string orchestration on long and winding road and yeah. uh, a couple other songs. Anyway, they renamed the whole thing Let It Be, put it out. Even like they all overruled uh, Paul 
And by the time they put this out, they were broken up, but they also uh, um, released the documentary, the hour-long documentary that hit theaters. And apparently, this is where I'm getting to with this, John. It's a long story. Apparently, they are um, going to, planning on re-releasing that doc, original documentary now that this documentary is out. So we can go see like the original version of all of this pieced together. Yeah. Um, it, it hasn't been available for years. Yeah, and and so there's there's a few like interesting. <sighs> there's a lot of interesting dynamics at play, like within all of that like context. Um, in that, like, so neither Paul nor Ringo, both of them has have talked about their distaste for that documentary, the Let It Be documentary. Um, both of them don't like it. Uh, like, and, and the director has like come back, like snapped back at him and been like, you know, basically talk, tell Are you talking about, uh, Michael? Yeah. Michael. Uh, huh. um, where he's, he's basically told, uh, told Ringo, you know, keep your opinions to yourself. Um, <laughs> and, and, but like his Ringo, like, is like, he's like, yeah, I, I don't like that documentary. I don't, I don't find any joy in it. And, and, uh, and Paul has said that like that documentary largely like made him think that he had been the reason, like that he had broken up the Beatles basically. Sheesh. And, and he's like, and in, and in watching this documentary, um, Paul has like, since he's like, he's like, I watched this documentary and I go, I go, no, that wasn't how it was. Like, I didn't break up the Beatles. He's like, here, here's me having a blast with John pretending to be like ventriloquists in the studio you know yeah. <laughs> you know and he's well, like, he's like that, we're having a blast here and so. i know like we spent a lot of last episode vilifying michael the michael character like who is knighted but, by the way oh i didn't know that how did he get knighted <laughs> um he like in the third episode whenever they were talking about um the rooftop concert which like at one point, Paul was like completely against, mm-hmm. um, mainly because he was afraid if they did it, they wouldn't finish the album. Sure, which and they because did. <laughs> at that, well, they did. They, they did. Like, because well, at the time, they True. only had what those six songs that they had written yep. uh, there in the studio, and then, but then after that, they started going through like, oh, well, if we pull from all these other old songs we'd never recorded, mm-hmm. we actually have an album's worth of material. So that's what right. they ended up recording. Um, but the. Uh, Michael, the director, he kept saying, listen, we have some great footage right now, but there's, there's no story and there's definitely no end to this. And so like, he's, he's intentionally looking for like trying to manufacture Mm -hmm. a story. And like, I haven't seen the, the documentary, uh, yet. I'm, you can find it. Can you? I'm, I'm, they're going to re-release it. Like it's, it's, it's in the, it's in the plan. So like, I'm, 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 I'm curious to see, um, you know, anyway, I think like the, the biggest thing with all of this is like, I'm glad that Peter Jackson finally like got to put this into what it is because Mm -hmm. it's such a, it's such a good, I feel like honest look at the struggles that the band was going through at the time and the struggles Mm -hmm. it was, it took to make an album like this and Mm -hmm. the ways that they made each other better, but also the ways that they clashed. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think one of the biggest takeaways for me was like, it was crazy. Like half the the documentary feels like a, we're just setting these completely arbitrary 
dates just to motivate them to get something done. Mm -hmm. And then B, they're still just like sitting goofing around half the time. Mm -hmm. And then finally, whenever they go up on the rooftop, they play these songs better than they ever played them in the studio yeah. up to that point, you know? Which is funny because like that you watch that concert in its entirety, which is yeah. amazing. Like they yeah. play they play a few songs multiple times and they play like you know, play a few things like throughout there but then it, like i love 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 that no matter when it is whether it's like in the studio whether it's on the rooftop whether it was like the following day whenever they're working out let it be they uh the you know on the the screen it'll flash up this is the take yeah. that is on the album let it yep. be and yep. like that in and of itself like there are like three songs from that rooftop show that are in the out that are the, yeah. the take on the oh, album they sound great and i'm like how in the world does this sound great? Also, we looked up the uh, how, how the temperature that day. It was uh, eighteen degrees on yeah, that it's roof. Cold man, everybody is is so cold. Like even John, like he's like blowing on his hands during the first song. He plays his solo and get it back on that first song. And I like I can hear like or like I can I feel like I can feel the way his fingers felt because like I we played in some like real cold places and your bones just feel like they're just like creaking on each other while you're trying to play fast. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I think the the like that was super cool. Like and just knowing and when that you know when it gets over, they flash up. You know, this was the Beatles' last public performance. Like the fact that like man, it was it took so like much effort to get here, and they achieved and came and did what they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it kind of got cut short because the police showed up. They wanted them to stop. And dude, was I, the foresight like okay? So like we can say what we want about like Michael being just a a, a jerk, but like the foresight of putting like a hidden camera in the front oh, office. Yeah. Because Definitely. like because they just figured that the police were gonna show up. Yeah. Is like just genius. And the fact that like so Debbie, the 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 front yeah. desk, like receptionist, she has like delay tactics in her yep. pocket. Like she is ready. And so is the door person. Like she at one point where the police come in, she like says something. She's like, They're trying we're trying to find such and such, you know, to yeah. come down here. And then and they're like, Who? And then she goes, such and such to the police officers. And then that person comes down and she goes, Oh, here's your check we think your other one is has bounced or like whatever like and so like literally just like they the police would have thought that they were looking for the person in charge to bring down to them and literally she just brought somebody completely random down there to talk to them about their paycheck (laughs) yeah it's it's uh that part's cool i mean like mal their tour manager comes down and he's like you know just kind of puts um, i'll go i'm gonna he's like i've turned off the speakers up on the up on the roof yeah. And I'm going to go down and, and I've got one downstairs. I got to turn off. I'm like, there's nothing downstairs. It takes yeah. forever for the police to realize that they're not in the studio and that they're up on the roof. Yeah. Well, like that's the other thing is like, they go, they go, oh, man, isn't, aren't the studios here soundproofed? And, and then Deb, Debbie goes, she goes, she goes, she's like studios, they're on the roof. And then the yeah. police officer goes, they're on the roof. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's amazing. So, like, just that pure shock of, like, they're on the roof alone, like, would have delayed them even further just because, like, they're trying to rework in their brains what's going on here. Yeah. Um, so that, I mean, that gets over. And it's, like, super emotional where you're like, oh, man. Like, number one, dude, like, their music is just incredible. Mm-hmm. And, like, they're they're just, like, uh, I think we talked about last week a little bit, but they're just, like, pulling these things out of out of their hats. And then, like, someone like George is sitting there being like, this is just the same old stuff. And you're like, George... It's amazing. Just like let it be the same yeah. stuff. It's amazing. Like right. you're well, freaking. It, 
one of his songs that like he plays and he, and he's like he's like he's like yeah he's like I don't know if it's any good I'm here but it's like one of the best songs ever and you're yeah. like George, oh, well, yeah you just like, replaced the word cauliflower in your you set just, uh, man just ignore it if you want I'll just you know I'll probably just put it on you know something random you know she's like okay all right George yeah okay um <laughs> one of the most beautiful songs ever written you know just uh like I think and across the entire the entire documentary you get this very clear picture of like why they worked well together and then the things that made them not work well well together you know like i I think as they went on it was like a lot of not wanting to be told what to do or have the others speak into their their work but then you also saw the results of it Mm. and how how their work and songwriting was improved by having the others speak into it mm-hmm. um well, and i think and then, like so in the previous albums before this one like um you know a lot of times like they were like literally working in different studios from each other and like and that way that it, like the way that that would work is they would be like oh let's you know i'm gonna lay down my tracks and then i'm gonna you know have you lay down some other things and so like there was this very like not in the room kind of collaborative process and then putting them in the room uh, you have, you know, essentially uh, Paul and John like bouncing lyrics back and forth to each other, and and that leaves Ringo and and George just kind of like standing there watching, you know, or like you know contributing where they can. But like you know, uh, it, there's just a lot of the the group dynamic that like you're right. If if they hadn't all been together in these specific like areas, it, like they they wouldn't have brought out the best in each other. But there is also like that level of like some friction there or like man it would kind of be boring if you were you know playing the same groove like for you know 10 hours a day or whatever um yeah while john and paul try to work out the lyrics of this song so yeah and i think like a lot of their interpersonal differences like you know whenever you look at what happened with abbey road leading up to like i mean basically john quitting the band like right before that gets released but not announcing it until afterwards I mean, it, the things that caused friction here just kept causing friction because, like, basically they stopped. Um, they got done recording these get back sessions, and then three weeks later started recording Abbey Road it, at the uh, the EMI studios. I don't really know why they switched studios uh, again, um, other than being able to work on an actual eight track machine, and they had a, a new console over there. Um, yeah, that's the thing. Like you mentioned last week, you were like, oh man, they couldn't find an eight tracker. And like, this is, they bashed together two consoles, uh, broadcast consoles, um, somehow over a weekend and, you know, ran those into the eight track or whatever. Like that, like the, I would, I would think it was two, it was two, four tracks. It was two, two four four track recorders lashed together and synced. So, and that's why there were four. Like when they, it shows them listening back to songs. That's why there's mm-hmm. four speakers in there because one is yeah. for one eight tra- uh, four track and the other one's for the other four track. Yeah, and he has so like he has them, them separated. Like one of them's over here in the corner and the other one's right in front of the speakers. And it's like, oh my gosh, this is like intense. Like the controls and stuff on this, um, just a fascinating process. You know, it's like I, I said last week. It's like the you know it's the wild west of they're just figuring out how to put all this stuff together. So maybe that's why. Like just because it's not like if if they have like just a full on like eight track console and and recording you know. Set up somewhere else. Why not go there? Yeah, I also like. I mean, it seems like after the fact. I mean, the guys didn't really look back on these recording sessions fondly. Like they, mm-hmm. they, they focused more on how hard they were to get through and how like uh, terrible of a process it was. 
um, than mm. any of the good sides. And so, I mean, for years, the only comments that have been made about it, even from like John Lennon afterwards, McCartney, all of them, like none of them enjoyed it. None of them looked back on it fondly. Um, and I think that's probably what led to none of this being released for a long time. Someone asked Paul, I forget, I think it was, um, I don't remember which interview it was that I was watching, but it was, uh, he was talking about the release of the documentary. And um, basically he, he said, well, you know, so much time has, has passed. Um, he's like, I just, I just want you to, I'm, I'm just happy you get to see my friends. And, um, and I think that, uh, that definitely came across. You get to see yeah. like them for who they are, the good, the bad. And, um, you know, it, it is, it's, it's, it's a little sad because you know, you know, like, Hey, they break up, you know, soon after this. Um, and this is one of the last performances and all that kind of stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, you know, there's no chance and, and never was, there never was a, a Beatles reunion. There's no chance of it happening. You know, we have like people like the Rolling Stones that are still recording and sure. not recording with touring. Um, but you know, there was, it was just, it's never going to happen, never did happen. And so it's, there's the a fin- finality to it that, um, is kind of sad at the yeah. end of the day. I mean, it truly does feel like sort of similar to the, like the Lord of the Rings, like Peter Jackson's done this to me twice in my lifetime, you know, where at the, <laughs> the, the end of a trilogy, I, I, it ends and you're like, man, I, I am sad that I will never get to hang out with my friends, you know, mm-hmm. where you feel that way about them. Um, and that's just a unique thing. Um, in mm-hmm. this one, you're like it literally because in their brains, like, like, oh, Ringo's gonna go film his movie for a couple of weeks, and then you know, and everybody's gonna go off and do the thing. Like, I feel like, like, okay, well, when are we gonna meet up and do Abbey Road? You know, I feel like I want the the next chapter of the documentary that will never happen of like yeah. let's go record abbey road and, and see yeah. what happens but like obviously because you know no film crew follow them around for that you know like right. there's no way of getting that so it's just an interesting it's an interesting piece and i i love it because of that like it's uh yeah. it's, a, it's a window into their lives that just like exists in a frozen state um something else i wanted to throw out there um and and it seemed pretty pretty like interesting to include this part of it um in the documentary like glenn johns like one of the best engineers of all time um has like a miking technique like named after like we learned it in college the glenn johns drum miking technique um and and anyway but like there was an uh, a moment whenever john had met up with their uh the the manager um i forgot what his name was um and he no, no, no. The manager, like the, like the he was interviewing the the person, like. Oh, that that new guy. Yeah, the new new person. Yeah, I, I said his name all ago. Um, yeah, I can't remember it. Oh man, it slipped anyway. my brain. Anyway, he tells Glenn that he had met with that person, and Glenn. Oh yeah, he's like he's real weird. Yeah, he just doesn't like him. Like he doesn't. Yeah. They don't like each. Like and so part of me is like, okay, well, obviously, if Glenn does these mixes or or whatever for these masters, which you can listen to on uh, Apple Music, I believe, has like the whole deluxe album with all of the different mixes, like the Phil Spector stuff and and the Glenn John stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're finally they're finally re released. Um, there are new mixes now, like um, by Giles Martin and uh, someone else. But uh, yeah, th- on the on the 56th song uh, track <laughs> deluxe album, 
there's the entire Glenn Johns mix of the album, which is really cool. Yeah. And so like, I just, I feel like that that was ne- like, if, if that manager was involved whenever they, the Glenn, you know, they listen to those masters or whatever, I don't know how that, you know, it's like, I don't know if that would play into any of that where it's like, Oh, I don't think it, at least on the timeline I was looking at. No, he wasn't. He came in okay. later. So like basically what happened with him and, and what kind of, I mean, I, there were a million things I think that probably played into them breaking up, but um, like the, uh, so Paul wanted Linda's father and brother to manage the band. They were two lawyers and the rest of the band wanted, was it Heilman? I can't remember this guy's name. I don't know why I, could, I, re- I said it all ago. Yeah. You literally said it and I, it's now completely slipped my brain. I'm anyway, they, no they wanted him to do it. And, um, basically th- Paul was outvoted. They came to a compromise and said, oh, he can manage the band and then uh, Linda's dad and brother uh, would be the band's lawyers, and that that you know continued for uh, about a year, um, and then finally um, there was n- enough, uh, s- I guess, bad blood and, and sentiment uh, that they wanted to get rid of um, Linda's father and brother, and it just turned to him, and 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 he, I mean, basically like helped. Uh, the band slash uh, EMI finished this album and gave it to mm-hmm. Spectre and all that kind of stuff to finish and put out and all that kind of thing. I mean, sure. honestly, if it had been up to Paul at that point, it doesn't sound like um, anything would have been released. Like, yeah. It, it, right. Yeah. Yeah. I know like, you know, so George Martin, the A and R person who also like was was their producer, like during this some of this or whatever, like it's interesting, um, because he doesn't speak speak highly of some of those uh some of those like other other people, obviously like Phil Spector or whatever. He was just like, ah, you know, he added some strings to like two of the tracks and blah blah blah. And so and but like there's all this I think like he called it he said if I he's like it he said, if I produced the album yeah. and Phil Spector overproduced the album. Right. So like, there's just like, there, there's like all these like different developing things that are happening um, around this album. And like, it's just a, like, to me, it just feels like a miracle that it was even released ever, you know? I mean, yeah. I mean, it sounds like it's a miracle. I mean, when you look at the one, the technological problems that it takes, like that they have trying to get this stuff recorded, like, yeah, yeah it's a miracle in and of itself there. But then, like just the overall process and just how fraught with conflict and um, and not even healthy conflict, but just like, you know, like straight up, I don't want to work with you. Uh, you are too difficult. I don't like it when you tell me what to do. Like that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, well, and even like there's the the manipulators that are involved, whether it's the film yeah, outside crew of them, or whether it's like yeah, you know, you know, all of the different people that are just coming in and poking into the process because they see the dollar signs there, you know. Well, it's like you kind of even in this documentary, you can kind of see. So you see the the beginnings of um, George Harrison talking about like I think maybe we should just go do some solo albums, and Yoko Ono is like yeah, you should do that. Like it's like one of the only things she like really speaks up and says in this documentary. And it's like, mm, yeah, I mean, all that stuff's, you know, pretty well, like, documented of, like, there was definitely, she didn't necessarily try to help the band stay cohesive. And again, no one's perfect. They all played into it. I oh, mean, yeah. multiple people quit at different times, but it's just yeah. like, and, you know, they're, and they're, 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 yeah, even in this, like, you know, you mentioned like, oh, yeah, you can, you know, that's the, that's a, that's a. 
one of the times that like, you know, they talk about, Hey, doing a solo thing. And like, even with, with George in particular, like it, it seems like in this, he kind of tiptoes around, uh, around Paul a little bit and like talks to John a lot, like whenever they're alone, like, and it brings up like ideas and songs and things like that. Like it's, it's, they, they do one of his, you know, you know, some, some songs, uh, while, you know, while Paul's out that one day. So, um, and it's just like, it's a, and even at one point, like John literally says to Paul, like Paul's like, Oh, you know, let's, let's do, let's do another one and he goes all right well i want to i want to hear what, what george has is what, what john says at one point like he literally like sets up george he's like let's let's bring in george for one of his songs here uh next and so like you see some of that in there those those kind of uh creative differences kind of already like foraging at this point so yeah i mean i think when you look at i think it would be hard from like george's perspective you know i think we talked about this last week where you have John and Paul who like obviously have a t- like great chemistry together but then also like they have this kind of agreement that anything that either one of them writes the other one gets credit on but it leaves out George you know what i mean mm-hmm. um and Ringo honestly like yeah. but like even if even if they just had this agreement if it comes out with on the Beatles with the Beatles and Paul writes the whole thing it's a Lennon McCartney song and yeah, th- that's even, something that later they even referenced it uh, as a label thing like that's yeah. part of their label, like well, it was. publishing it was a, contract or whatever. It so. was under contract. It was something, it was an agreement that they came to with each other, but then they wrote it into the contract with the label, uh, for the songwriting rights. But that was something that later on before they break up, that's something that like, uh, John and, and Lennon, they decide to separate that and say like that it became, that became a sticking point later. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, sorry, I said John and Lennon, I meant Paul and, Paul and John, like they, they, they decided to undo that later on um, yeah. a- after this. I mean, so, it's, it's I just mean, such a, such an interesting, interesting documentary because you get to see the beginnings of these things and, and, uh, and it's only three weeks. Like it's only like a month out of their lives, yeah. but it's such a pivotal month. It feels like. Oh, totally. Well, in so on, many ways. On that, on that day, like right before the rooftop recording, when, when Paul is trying to like tell, convince everyone to like postpone and keep recording the album keep going with new songs like he's like if we had another month and i'm like paul like come on like you know <laughs> you, you well, want to keep doing this for a month yeah and i even another think, one i even think uh one of them said like it's i think george is standing behind him at that point and george is just kind of like a month <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know, you know? Yeah. And john's like well, yeah if we had a month <laughs> and i think like I, I was trying to figure out why um why paul was skirting around the and and try and being so non-committal about a rooftop show and then i i did some digging and um they don't talk about it in the doc but one of the one of the conditions about george coming back to the band was uh a that they moved studios from twickenham to their studios and b that they stop they don't they stopped trying to play a show um, and I think that was Paul, like he was trying to a get the record done, but he was B being noncommittal about a, sh- a, uh, rooftop show. Cause you see George never commits to it. He never commits. Like, right. The only, only two that did were John and Ringo. Hmm. And, um, and I think Paul was waiting for George to say he'd do it. That's why he keeps saying like, we'll see. We'll Fascinating. See. 
That's fascinating because like George, even like when on the day, on the day he gets up there and I thought yeah. like, I thought for, I was like, dude, George doesn't want to be on this rooftop. He didn't like And he like looks over the edge like, Ooh, this is like, he's like, what am I doing up here? You know? <laughs> yeah. He really didn't want to play a live show. And like, I, it, they were trying to, you know, tiptoe around that and actually make it happen. I think that's the fact that they were recording it for the album. I think that mm. probably helped make it happen. There's so much subtext to the things, to this whole thing. Whenever you, you like, you really dig into what was going on and like the different things. That's that's one thing I do love about it is it makes you really dig into some stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, oh man, another big bummer, man. I looked up to. Uh, I was like, I wonder if you can go visit these their studios now. No. Building's still there, yeah. But uh, it is now in Abercrombie Kids, yeah. So probably where they were recording <laughs> drums, there's a stock room full of uh, Abercrombie clothes. <laughs> it's kind of cool if you work there, but you know, I'm like, oh gosh, come on. Yeah. Like, I hate it when stuff like that happens to like really historical places like that. Yeah, I mean, it happens, you know, quite frequently, especially like uh, recording studios, recording studios in particular, because like they're, they're such an expensive thing to maintain. And, well, and, and the technology goes out of date pretty quick, you know, yeah. like, you got to it unless you're keeping up with like changing the rooms around or it was built properly to begin with. I mean, the walls in there were pretty cool where they had yeah. these panels that could be absorptive on one side and reflective on the other. Those were cool. Yeah. But uh, I mean, overall, it's like they it sounds it seems like. They, I mean, I'd have to look up and see. Actually, I think, uh, what was the dude's name who played with them? Um, oh, oh man! I looked him up too. Billy and I Preston. Think, yeah, Billy Preston. I dude, think he's he had, fantastic, dude. I, think he, I love Billy. He, well, he recorded two albums under their label, and I think he recorded them at the Apple Studios. So, like, nice. I think they they were used for, um, after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could, be, unless I'm completely wrong. I, I so I dug into him one night and. Uh, Kind of trying to like yeah. figure out what. what yeah, was he he was big out, at, like after that. Um, after after you know he he yeah, I mean, was he, a big solo artist right after. And it's he like was, he's got fantastic music, dude. He was making records until two thousand one, and um, that's one of the reasons why like I I some of those recordings are what they are. Like, I, man, some of those like the the electric piano on those things, like the roads that he's playing, is just so good. <laughs> Yeah, the roads, and then like when they go back downstairs and they do like Let It Be, he's playing the B three organ. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, he he lends a lot. And then, uh, again, that was also like you know, and I I dug into it afterwards, bringing him in to the room. Yeah, it was because they needed a keyboard player, but it was also uh, so that there would be another person in mm-hmm. the middle of of the Beatles so that they didn't just tear each other to pieces. That was George's George's reason for bringing him in there. Sure. Yeah. And like, you know, he had talked about, uh, you know, bringing like keyboard players like way early in like in the process over whenever they were still at the other place, the Twickenham. Um, like he talked about, he's like, oh yeah, you know, such and such has that's this amazing keyboard player. And, and, uh, and anyway, like, yeah, like bringing him in literally that day that, that whenever he like stays, um, wherever they're sitting there and they're like, like, so you, you want to play some keys? And you're like, yeah, sure. I'd love to, <laughs> yeah. um, that day, like they get so much done. Mm-hmm. And then the next day, like he has like prior commitments for like two days in a row before he returns. Um, and like they, they are at, like, I think John at one point goes, he's like, looks like, feels like we're kind of lost without Billy. <laughs> you know, it's just... Well, like, yeah, there's that. And then it's so weird. You know, they're like so unmotivated on their own to do anything. They needed like Billy there to help with that stuff. They kept talking about how they needed uh, a manager or like a father figure to like, just keep them, you know, just some kind of schedule. Um, when you look at look at like 
so Abbey Road that they did right after this, um, they asked uh, George Martin to produce again, and which apparently he was surprised by just because of how the Get Back sessions went. He was like, I didn't think that they'd actually want to work with me again. But he came back on the condition that they would stick to his schedule and mm. that he would be basically that that driver. And I, I think that's pr honestly probably why it actually got done and that, sure. and, that, and got released um, because he was pushing for it. Um, yeah, that's, and that's something, you know, to, to, that I noticed like in the first one, um, and it kind of like, is it, you know, if you, if like setting it up in the first one about their, like their manager, um, dying like a year earlier and they, they have a conversation about it, like a pretty open and honest conversation about it. Um, it like them processing that level of like loss and grief, like somebody that that had been driving their career and their success in, in a lot of ways, um, and losing that, and then being in these situations where like they're they are themselves having conversations with like all of the publishers and like without like a manager to kind of help with that um yeah. like it's just that like that processing like wouldn't be easy and like no. so it's 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 for people like you know everybody processes like grief and and loss differently and so like them them processing this all differently and then bring coming back to the recording process um it's just uh, like that would be ridiculously hard to kind of mash your different ways of processing this together in a creative you know scenario in that in that way, which is uh, which is is as I look think back, it's like yeah, that's it's that's obvious like that that's some of what's happening here, you know that they're they're just trying to figure out how to how to continue on, you know. Yeah, um, Klein. That was the name of their that uh, that new um, manager when when yeah. they finally got one. Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, uh, it, even the pressure of the show, the fact that, like, hey, we're going to do this show, we're going to do, or the, the the fact that Glenn Johns needs to leave or Ringo needs to leave, like, it felt mm. like they just needed some kind of, like, they kept setting these arbitrary dates, and even, like, uh, George Martin uh, at one point says something about, like, we've been setting these dates for you just because, you know, to motivate you, like, you've been wanting that, and, like, it's like, man, guys, and I, and I get it, like, 100%, like, I mean, I like to say if I, you know, I want to do something by this time, but it just, it makes it feel like they don't naturally want to do this, you know? Sure. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing, you know, just in general, like, um, the creative process is so meandering and like, obviously like sometimes like those big deadlines, like they help, but sometimes yeah. you hold this deadline, like you hold onto it so hard that like you, you essentially, create a situ a no win situation for yourself, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Where you're like well, or I, or you create a situation in which you're not enjoying it. I know I already said it. I still can't believe that like the the state we heard these songs in and we heard, we were li we're listening to their practices and then they go up on the roof and freaking nail them mm -hmm. and then they go down to the studio and finish the the rest of the album and nail those. It's like it's it's like it's two different bands. Hmm. I mean, and that's, you know, there are, there were times whenever they would get like, get a take and you're like, oh yeah, that's a good one or whatever. Well, or like, they you, say the, it's on the album. Yeah. yeah Or like the sing like there was a single and a B side, uh, for the, what they released for get back. They released the, uh, the radio single get back and they released the B side. I can't remember. It was a George song. Yeah. Um, uh, oh my gosh. I can't remember the title of it. Oh my goodness. Anyway, but they released those two together. And like, those are the two words you're just like, whenever they did them, you're like, yeah, that was, those are great takes. Um, but aside from that, like there's just 
just a lot of uh, they they were still working on the structure of of all of these songs uh, right up until the last day. Um, which is yeah. is fascinating. Like the day before they went up onto that rooftop is whenever they really solidified what the structure of the songs were and like finalized everything. That's another thing that the um, at least McCartney didn't like about Phil Spector's final version of the album was that he he re-edited some of their takes yeah. and rearranged some of their songs from the original way that they played them. Mm-hmm. Um, again. Like I, I'm not saying that he shouldn't have, or that right. it would have been a better project. That's just like what Paul no, just what was happens, upset you know? about. Yeah, um, it, yeah. It, it, that issue of creative control pops up a ton. Where they're like, I, "I want my vision, and no one can touch it." Like, which is a weird. I get that, but also like I also see a huge value in collaboration, and you see the result of it. You know, with the band, I think we talked about earlier. It's just interesting that. So super strong resistance to it, even though you can clearly see the benefit of it. Yeah. And I think that maybe some of like the, the, their early career kind of led them to that too, where like early on, even uh, like um, George Martin, like whenever he first like did stuff with them, he made them do cover songs. Like he made them cover yeah. like, a, a, and, and they were like, they were like, no, we want to do our own stuff. And, you know, and they like had to essentially force their own, creative visions into existence and and so like you know so wanting to hold on to that or like whenever people come in like i think about just in general how many people were trying to steer them towards like you know whether it's the michael person their own vision yeah like steer them towards their their ideal version of what the beatles were even the people on the street like if you ask any of those people like you know there's some people who are just like oh, i don't even don't like with them or like oh i used to like them right now i don't anymore like they wanted control of their own destinies like and so like it, it would make sense that that would both be like one of their strengths and one of the you know the like the breaking factors <laughs> you know yeah. the weaknesses yeah. in the end you know overall like this this thing i mean it's just like a it's a really cool like look into the the final days of this uh, iconic band and really get to know them in a way that we haven't been able to before. Like I have a, a big poster of the uh, Abbey Road record um, on my wall. I'm looking at it right now, and uh, I've had it for years. And I love Abbey Road. I think it's one of my favorite – it's probably my favorite Beatles album. Um, but before, it's just like, you know, well, that's the Beatles walking across the road. But now, like when I look at it, I feel like I know them, and I feel like yeah. I I know the relationships that they have to each other and – how they interact and talk to each other. And um, I'm kind of like sitting here looking at that, you know, differently than I have literally for, you know, the past, I mean, it's probably been 10 years that I've had this. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it's interesting, you know, having like a perspective shift on, not in a weird way or like a, oh, it's just a different, you're like, oh, I understand now, you know, yeah. who these people are. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, cause you just hung out with them for, for eight hours and, and <laughs> yeah. like, like you basically sat in on their band practice for eight hours and was able to like just chill out and and uh, and enjoy their process and yeah it's 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 such a such a unique piece of history that I am so happy exists yeah um and I don't know man it's it yeah like you said it just it shifts your perspective a little bit um the you know. The two remaining Beatles, the only things I've ever heard about like Ringo and, and Paul are that they're amazing human beings. So, you know, it's, and so, you know, I, it, 
it makes sense to watch this like where you're just like man these like these four friends like they they seem like just genuinely cool people oh well, yeah and even like after they you know broke up they still were friends they still hung out with each other right. they just didn't make music together like right. i was reading something about it was a story that um john and paul told um this was i think in 74 um the a couple of people had asked had had offered um i think it was first it was like 10 10 million dollars for them to uh play a show a reunion show and then someone like had upped it to uh 40 and then 50 and then as a joke lauren michaels on snl one night uh offered them all three thousand dollars to come reunite on uh on snl and paul and john were at john's apartment in new york city and were watching it live <laughs> and like were almost they almost talked themselves into going down to the the studios and <laughs> just showing up and agreeing to it uh but then they just but then they decide not to and that was that's like fun. you know years after they broke up they're still hanging yeah. out as friends watching snl you know like that's <laughs> it's hilarious it's awesome um, i love it so you know like at the end of the day like they were friends it's just oh, yeah. like you know you you put any kind of like creative Again, it was that, that creative, I think, creative control thing, like, and trying to work with everyone and make everyone happy with their own ambitions and um, their own vision for things. And it's just, uh, uh, there was definitely like a working side of them, but there was also the friend side of them. Right, right. Yeah, dude, it's fantastic. I love it. Everyone should watch it. Like, if you don't know anything about the Beatles, you know, eh, you know, maybe, maybe not. But, uh, but if you do or you care about any of this stuff, like, it is, it is amazing. Yeah. Um, do you want to rate this thing? Oh, dude, it's a ten out of ten. Uh, same. Yep. <laughs> I mean, there's no question in my mind. This is like one of the best things I've ever watched in my entire life. So. Yep. Yep. Agreed. All right, well, um, that's it for this week. We'll be back next week with uh, Game Awards results and news. You can find us online at stayintargetpodcast.com on social at Chris Wright 250 And Wright 777 And at Pod. Please go to your podcast service of choice. Review us. Tell your friends about us. We really appreciate it. That's it for this week. We'll see you next time on Stay, Stay on, on Target. Target.